0: welcome to the socialista podcast a collection of stories from las vegas creatives my name is Brianna, and I'm going to be your guide to the city of Las Vegas, where I will be unveiling the stories of all of our amazing creatives, makers, entrepreneurs, and community changers. Welcome back, everybody, to the Socialista Podcast. I'm bringing you this episode from the tiny house at Ferguson's downtown. I'm very excited to be sitting down with Josh, the co-founder and owner of Makers and Finders Cafe. Hi. <laughs> Good, welcome on. Thank you. Thank like you I for s- having me. Yeah, like I said earlier, I'm glad we finally were able to yeah. get this to work out. So. A lot of emails. <laughs> yes! <laughs> That's perfectly fine. You're here now. So, I would love to talk about more of uh, where you grew up and what that was like for you before moving to Vegas.
1: Yeah, so I was born in uh, New York City, mm-hmm. um, in uh, Queens. Okay, uh, cool. So, uh, my parents... Both immigrated from Columbia uh, okay. in South America yeah. in the early 80s. I was born in 1988, wow. so they had already, you know, kind of established themselves as in their new home in New York, uh, mm-hmm. so, like, uh, all my my mom's side of the family and part of my dad's side of the family moved over, so they had at least some sort of support network with my aunts, uncles, sisters, brothers, so yeah. it was kind of like a congregated move, um, yeah. but... Uh, and then, uh, yeah, so I was born in New York. Um, I'm the second of three, so I'm the middle child. Okay. Uh, <laughs> with all its issues and, and all the... Middle um, child syndrome. The syndrome, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, um, uh, so I have an older brother, his name's Steven. I have a younger brother, his name's Omar. Uh, three boys, so uh, my mom was the only uh, lady in the, oh, in the house. Oh, power to her. Yeah, <laughs> but coincidentally, she's also very much the alpha, so she kind of is like okay. very much like the... You know, uh, that was the dynamic. My dad's more, like, t- type kind of relaxed, really okay. easygoing. But yeah. my mom's, like, the one that kind of was a leader. Yeah. So it worked out for her. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so I was born in New York. And, um, you know, it's it's not... Everyone knows New York City is a tough city to live in. Mm. Um, my my parents always, you know, they, they moved to the United States, uh, you know, just like every, anybody else did, they just wanted a better life, they wanted more opportunity,
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so uh, they, I think that that was, that was always, I think, like their mindset in how they, what direction they, they went in, in their lives and took us with them, and um, you know, they always wanted better, 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 so, yeah. you know, after we spent, uh, um, um, parents spent almost 20 years in New York, I was, I was uh, 12 years old, and then we moved here, um, the
0: whole family moved here together. Just
1: my immediate family, but like I don't know if this is a Latino family thing, but <laughs> there's <laughs> when one part of the family moves, somehow the uh, like the aunts, uncles, their families move, and the cousins. Yeah. So in a in a matter of five years, everybody is in the same city again. Yeah. It's it's interesting how that works. I, I'm I'm almost uh, I was talking about it the other day at a family gathering. I'm like. wonder if that's gonna happen again because there's some plans for some of the family to move and it's kind of like that Uh next cycle um but i think i don't know they all move together so
0: that's kind of cool though because it's it's a very like uh it seems from what i've heard from other people a very like familial tight-knit community within your own family
1: absolutely like very much so yeah almost uh Almost a little too much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> not, but uh, yeah, no, it's very true. It's mm-hmm. it's definitely um, a cultural thing. Yeah, you know, like where your family's all up in your business and they want to know everything. But it's a good thing, you well, know. Yeah. It teaches you, you know, you have people that are there for you, you know, always, yeah. and you feel that way. But um, we moved here after uh, it was my uncle who had come to Las Vegas. Uh, first okay um and he was kind of scoping it out and at the time we were already in the process of like they wanted to leave new york and mm-hmm. i mean it was just they knew that it wasn't a, you know they didn't want to raise their kids there basically why is that i just think that it was just i mean we lived in like the city and it, i'm not saying it was it's tough to grow up in new york i think it's it, yeah. when you're in the city or you're, you're living on top of each other there's a lot of people, the schools or mm-hmm. the public school system, which, you know, we had, that's what we had to resort to. It's a, it's just, um, it's, it's, cl- it's cluttered and there's a lot of mm-hmm. all kinds of people. And I just think that they felt that they wanted to go somewhere smaller where yeah. they can have a little more control yeah. over, over, uh, how they raised us. But, um, and not, not only that, but I mean, cost of living, standard <laughs> yeah. living, rent, the whole deal, yeah, you
0: is very expensive.
1: We were paying what we what we were paying in New York City for what they call a two-family home. So it was two stories, but one you know one person lived in the first story, and the second in okay. the second. Yeah. And there was like a small common area for them to go up. Um, and uh, I mean, we were paying the same thing for a two-bedroom, one-bathroom, that kind of deal uh-huh. f- for what we ended up paying here in Vegas for a home two-story home isn't
0: that crazy yeah yeah i'm from jersey and like i went to i lived in delaware for school and a rinky dink like school apartment with a bedroom and like a half yeah with one tiny bathroom was more than what i pay now for an it's, actual it's house crazy. yeah our market it's crazy. here is really nice though. So. yeah it is yeah it helps <laughs> you gotta
1: enjoy it while it lasts yeah <laughs> Uh, but that was, so that was at a time where it was even cheaper than it is now. Sure, like, this yeah. was, like, I think, like, when Vegas was really first starting to boom and, like, climb in, like, late 90s. We moved okay. here in 99. Okay. Uh, yeah, wow.
0: 1999.
1: So, um, so uh, yeah, we, <laughs> I mean, we really, it was, you know, we, obviously, my parents immigrated here that we we don't, we come from very humble beginnings. So, yeah. like, you know, it's uh, whatever they had, they took it with them. And I just, I just remember that, like that trip very, very vividly in my mind because I think it it came at a really, you know, um, uh, point in my life where I'm about to be a teenager, you know what I mean? So my awareness was there and, um, yeah, it was just like barely starting to figure out, you know, how, how to make, you know, decisions and stuff. So Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, that trip was really, really interesting for me. We, um, we packed every all of our stuff into a truck, big giant truck, a rider truck, and uh, we, we, we started driving from New York City to Las Vegas. That's a long you know? drive. Yeah, so it's three, <laughs> me, my brothers, and my parents, and, and then, um, I don't remember where exactly, but like a day and a half in, we were like passing Pennsylvania, and our truck breaks down. Oh wow! And and then they we ended up, and it was like rural Pennsylvania. Like I just remember being like in this little farm, and Mm -hmm. so we we, like some people took us in and let us hang out with them for a bit, and they had to we had to take all of our belongings that we had just carefully organized a day and a half before, and put it into another truck. So we (laughs) so it was just like so our trip got extended by by um, a few days so that. So it took us six days to get to to Vegas. Um, but you know, it was cool. it was a it was a very like I said, it's very vivid in my head because mm-hmm. it was just like such a like weird thing to do, like just drive cross country, start a new life somewhere that you just don't even know what, what you where you're going.
0: Yeah.
1: And as a kid you know even less. You're just like, oh, you're just waiting for your parents to say that you're there Mm -hmm. um but yeah i mean i i still remember like um you know after six days traveling over here that driving in and of course like the city lights you could just see them over the mountain the glow and uh the first street coincidentally that i recall and like that i just like connected like seeing was charleston because my my uncle who i was telling you about earlier who moved here first Uh he took us in to kind of give us like a clutch to get on our feet yeah and so he lived on Charleston's and uh, Sloan, which is you know like East Side. Uh huh. Um, so yeah, it's just funny, like I, you know, full circle. Now my my first business is on Charleston, yeah. makers. So it's just like, um, so yeah, just arriving here and um, you know, it was it was it was a really really big culture shock.
0: Uh, yeah, I could imagine.
1: At at a at a yeah at a weird age.
0: Yeah, a younger age especially, and then kind of. Growing up your whole life with your whole family with you, in New York City especially, is, I will always say, the East Coast is so different than out here. It
1: is, it is. Um, So, you know, that whole readjustment, um, you know, was very, you know, for me, for me it was challenging just Mm because, you know, I would, you know, I'm I'm naturally kind of like a very, kind of like introverted like really like over analytical person so like for me to get put into like this new city it's just like oh my god yeah you know what i mean
0: (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. so uh, what was that like for you because again you were you said you were like right around teenage uh age and uh going from something that you grew up with your home in new york city and then packing everything up and coming out here what were your what were your thoughts or what were your feelings did you really know what vegas was then
1: no. <laughs> I, thought, I, I saw a video that was sent from my uncle of him, you know, living in Las Vegas. Uh-huh. Um, and I just remember thinking when I saw it, you know, I had no assumption of what Vegas was, you know, yeah. and I was too young to know about the casinos and the strip mm-hmm. and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just remember thinking, like, it felt like I was, looking, I w- I was moving to paradise. Yeah. The reason why is because, like, you know, anyone who's been to New York City knows, like, like it's just buildings it's mm-hmm. a very gray city yeah. it has that gray feeling mm-hmm. to it you know what i mean like and so to just see vegas and it's just sunny and then like trees and like green you're, i was just like oh wow like <laughs> that's where i'm going yeah <laughs> so my initial impression um was a. Uh, you know i thought i was moving to paradise uh, uh-huh. going, coming in from new york but i was also very like confused like i don't really i don't think i fully understood like the decision that that they made and mm-hmm. what what that meant like to move to a new city and like you know live in my uncle's house for five months until we figured So, i mean it was just like it was it was pretty uh impactful i'd say Definitely. you know but there was a lot of confusion <laughs> like i didn't really yeah. understand what was happening and you know, didn't not until we got here, and I realized, and you know, got enrolled in school and all that. I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is, this is stressful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: can imagine. So, uh, what was your family's like conversation as they were preparing you and your brothers, is that like, okay, it's time for us to yeah. go somewhere new.
1: Um, it's funny. Like, I think it was more like. <laughs> they just told us we we're going, mm-hmm. like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't recall, like, a full-on, like, explanation. I think that they, you know, they've been kind of priming us over the, the that last year before because we were looking at different places okay. to move. So we went, like, we went to North Carolina, we went to Florida, and we were, like, visiting these places that we had, you know, family or just, like, some sort of networking, mm-hmm. and so... And then they just decided on Vegas, and they're just like, "Hey, we're going." And I just, I, I just, I still remember like certain key like things, and I just remember just like things just moving so fast, yeah. like the house, like you know, uh, <laughs> like the Home Alone two scene, like where they wake up late and everybody's just like going crazy right, trying yeah? to make it <laughs> to the to the airport, and it just felt like I just felt like I was just in like this tornado, and there was just people in my house, family of course maps on the floor boxes and i'm just like what is going yeah. on right now i like, mean
0: it's funny you mentioned the maps because i'm thinking that's before really gps and you know back yeah. when you travel you had to use a map
1: <laughs> it was legit like highlighting routes and stuff yeah. Like it was it was just way different it's crazy that that was only like you know Not so long ago, but.
0: Yeah, like what? 10 years? Yeah, more. uh, A little more? 10,
1: 20. Well, no, today. Yeah, almost 20 years, I guess. Oh, wait.
0: Oh, yeah, I guess it is (laughs) 2018. I know. I'm so bad Time's moving so fast. Yeah, but no, like. you saying that I kind of remember when my family would take um, like trips in mm-hmm. the, the RV. I remember my grandfather just like setting out the big map yeah. on the dashboard and like, <laughs> okay, we have to follow 95 like all the way down.
1: Yeah, it was <laughs> it was uh, it's a it's definitely an experience to, to go through that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we they, they just we moved to Vegas and you know it's just like all about readjustment once I moved mm-hmm. here and you mm-hmm. know it, it, it took me a while to kind of figure figure out like my um you know because part of it is like within the you know as a latino right uh colombian first generation colombian right Mm -hmm. so moving to vegas it was where we lived in queens in flushing right in in the city of new york yeah It, it was a very heavy colombian american population so i was very much like part of what was going on there a lot of colombian like a lot of colombian kids like you know yeah. so we all all of our families ate the same thing so it was very connected but then in vegas it, you know it's the complete opposite mm-hmm. like you know and the cases for you know the, the west coast you know it's more uh, central american um as okay. opposed to south American. Okay. so you know mexican salvadorian and all these other countries sure. which i mean i know you're you're like well you guys are all latino but in no, the Latino I, culture, yeah. there's a lot of... You have
0: the subcultures, obviously, yeah. from each each country. And then even then so, the the subcultures and yeah. the dialects are, I'm sure, even different.
1: Yeah. No, totally. And, I mean, it's almost like a cultural difference. With yeah. The, yeah, like a subcultural difference. Mm-hmm. Like, it's very different. It's very um, pronounced. And yeah. as, you know, Latinos are proud people, so they're like... Everyone's, like, proud of their subculture. I mean, what for me, it was just more like... I wasn't, where I was a majority, I came and I was like, I felt like a minority, like I didn't feel like really, you know, and I moved to the east side of town, which is a very heavy Latino uh, population, being, you know, more like Mexican, so, um, but anyways, it was just like, you know, adjusting into like that, it Mm -hmm. it was a little challenging for me finding friends, but, you know, over time that all changed, uh, being in school, staying, being here more, being here longer, yeah, and kind of making this my home, you know definitely um but uh yeah i was um i've been in vegas for a while yeah (laughs) i really you know it's been a real journey here in this city and really just understanding how i fit into it Mm -hmm. but um i was very you know and that was kind of like that this that whole subcultural thing right that's that was a big motivation coming into now when i was an adult Uh and i wanted to venture and do something, you know, on my own, that was a big motivator, you know, is seeing, like, hey, like, you know what, there's an underrepresentation of, like, a certain subculture, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, that means there are not a lot of restaurants, there's not a lot of people who know, like, what it is, you know, um, what else is out there, mm-hmm. um, and so, you know, that, at, at around that same time, you know, 2012, 2013, um, you know, the South American, uh, uh, cuisine was starting to kind of like experience some sort of, uh, sort of like a, a mainstream kind of like plug yeah. and, you know, restaurants started opening and it was no longer like Mexican. It was now like a little more diverse, like Latin kitchen mm-hmm. or Pan, Pan Latin or whatever it is. Like, you know, um, and it started diversifying and I was like, okay. Yeah that's I'm like, that's perfect timing, you know, because that I felt like Vegas, you know arriving here in ninety nine I knew we were underrepresented as a mm-hmm. as a subculture of the you know the uh the latino uh, restaurant so uh yeah, I, I knew that that was an opening, and that was that's kind of funny, like so me feeling that way really you know later on just like inspired me to like really push and like bring um what i what I coveted and I loved and I grew up eating my mom making it Mm -hmm. you know what I mean like and I'm like you know what I want to I want to bring that into mainstream awareness you know that people should know about this so
0: yeah definitely so I know um as you're explaining makers and finders the cuisine is latin inspired so are some of the meals um traditional meals that as a Colombian family would serve
1: Yeah, so there, there, there are some very traditional, uh, things, um, but, you know, part of, part of makers is what we, you know, part of the original plan, um, is, you know, if we're going to bring this new cuisine, you know, we have to bring it in a way that's presentable, Mm -hmm. easy to navigate and not, um, uh, not too adventurous, you know what I mean? Make it feel like something you could do. So, um, we have some really traditional stuff like the arepas the arepas, you know um, the way we make them um, in the restaurant you know it's 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 a very traditional way like mm-hmm. you know part of uh, the arepas are very culture it's more than just like a food you know what I mean like it's yeah. <laughs> it's so much integrated into Colombian culture that I mean even um, newborn and infant play songs are based around the arepa oh really? yeah so it's it's very much more than just food, uh, because and and I think what really contributes to to that is um, how how direct it is with the human contact that it comes into, you know. And what I mean by that is, you know, every arepa is handmade. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, and you know, just like the motion is like, you know. Something that in Colombian culture, it's like you're making arepas and you're standing around your grandma's and your aunts and like you're talking and you're chatting and you know and then you're 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 putting them on the griddle and you're cooking them and you know it's it's very much uh, a lot of uh, it's very energetic
0: Mm -hmm. you know what
1: I mean and there's a lot of love involved like in making something by hand Um, so the arepa is something that you know I've I really based the. Uh, the menu around you know what I mean like I'm, I wanted to bring that and make that as part of the menu and like people I mean don't even realize it like they they go into makers to go to makers but what they're doing is they're eating arepas like you know what I mean but
0: yeah
1: I didn't want it to be you know um you know I wanted it is centralized around the arepa but I wanted it to be easy for people to understand it uh-huh, and yeah. you know so it took a lot of development to really get there and I think we're finally there now but uh, yeah, a lot of these foods that um, you know, uh, the black beans, you know, uh, they're they're called Grandma's black beans, and that's that's my grandma's recipe. My um, wow. Beatrice, yeah, her name is Beatrice. She goes by Cucini, Auelita Cucini. <laughs> that's that. her, that's her name, and she's just sweet, old, like she's like 85 now, and just all white hair, and just you know, there's a lot of you know influence and roots. But I really, it was a really big. An important part to make it easy for people to come and not feel because you know, you go to uh, very authentic places, it's a little sometimes you know, it feels a little adventurous, it's a um, you know, there's language barriers, mm. you know. I and and I knew that, you know, I, I love authentic places, so go on sometimes, it's hard to to um frequent them, these places because they're a little difficult to you know, communicate or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that was a big part. I really wanted it to be seamless. Like, yeah. you know, it's almost like, hey, you're a Latin cafe. Like, you know, like, we've been here for, like, 20 years, and it just makes sense, you mm-hmm. know? And I feel like that's kind of what, we, we're, what we've what we become. You know, it's just a, a different kind of cafe, you know? And it's very easy, something you could frequent a lot. Yeah, um, definitely. And, um, but it's Latin, and it's, mm-hmm. it, it, it's different, and you the food you eat and you can eat it three, four times a week, but you're, you're eating, you know, South American, Peruvian, Colombian things that's rooted in, in a global kind of cuisine. So yeah, that that was a,
0: yeah, I love that. I love that you're able to marry these, these dishes and these ideals and this idea of handmade and family and culture all in one spot. Yeah. And I loved, um, you mentioned like just the energy that goes into making the arepas. I, th- that concept is, I think it's beautiful because it, somebody like me, i you know, my family is a blend of just European people. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that sort of love and energy is not the same as what you're explaining. And I think food is so cultural, but it's, to me, as you're speaking about it, it, it seems it's just obvious that it's so rooted in your culture. And I yeah. think that's a beautiful thing. And being able to then serve it to customers and yeah. talk about your story is really cool.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I think that's, for me, that's, that's what it's all about. I yeah. just, big believer in, you know, that energy that, you know, people bring to each other. It's, mm-hmm. you know, um, And behind that that in in that vein the whole makers and finders concept was like kind of born like you know what i mean like we're like you know makers and finders movers and shakers you know uh so you know i really wanted uh you know that's kind of that was a really big deal in my life at the time and i'm just like you know i really feel like i want to be in this community and i want to contribute and you know i'm young i'm a millennial and Mm -hmm. i want to you know um you know, I wanted to prove to, you know, I want to prove it to myself, prove it to my, for my family, but, you know, it's very much a lot of passion and energy that, that, that went behind it for sure. Yeah. yeah.
0: So this entrepreneurial quality that you have, is that something you feel like you had when you were younger or something that maybe was influenced by your family?
1: Uh, I think it's partially kind of like, uh, like a natural kind of trait. Like I'm, I've always been really like I was a good salesman before I got into restaurants. I I was in the insurance industry. Okay. That was like my first industry okay. um, that I got in um, when I was in college. So uh-huh. I I've always been like very much like I wanted to work at an early age. Mm-hmm. I mean I remember I was I I I was trying to get a work permit. Um, like you have to be 15 and some weird some odd age, mm-hmm. 15 and change, to get a work permit. I remember I was like three months too early and I just like blew up and threw a, tant- threw a tantrum and I was upset because I wanted to work. Yeah. Little did I know what I was getting myself into for the rest of my life. Yeah. Like, you know what <laughs> I mean? So I was always very much like I wanted to work. I was very interested in the idea of, of working and, you know, mm-hmm. earning earning your dollar and, um, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I was, and partially these traits come from my mom. My mom, like I told you earlier, she's very much like Type a very. She was always handling finances. She was always figuring stuff out. Yeah. You know, very much like meticulous detail. So I got a lot of that from her. Hmm. Um, but it really started coming out when you know I you I, uh, when I was seventeen. Um. At the time, you used to look uh you know at the Las Vegas Review Journal classifieds or like uh, I think Craigslist was there as well. And you'd get fax numbers, and so you'd fax your resume. And so I just sit at a fax, and I'd like. Fax my resume to like 15 places. Right? Wow, that's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I got my first insurance job, and um, you know, I just fax, fax, fax away, and then I get a call like maybe an hour later from this guy named Eric James, and um, you know, 17, and uh, I had just got done working Starbucks actually. I worked at Starbucks okay. for a little bit, um, and um, I was you know getting into college and you know, at the time it was a really big part of my life, you know, I made this decision, um, you know, a couple of years earlier when I was in high school, uh, you know, education is kinda like something that we just, it was just part of our plan, mm-hmm. it wasn't really emphasized, it wasn't something that you're like, you gotta go to college, You know, it's just like, you gotta graduate high school and get a job, like, you know mm-hmm. what I mean, so, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, so, uh, when I was a f- sophomore in high school, uh, I made the best decision I could have made in my life that really changed my life, and I I heard about this charter school that um, that was dual credit okay. college and high school, okay, and it was called Nevada State High School, and they had just barely opened two years before that, so I would be getting into the second graduating class ever of that high school.
0: Wow!
1: And it was a charter school, and I didn't know what a charter school was, you know. Now this opened my mind into like this whole realm of like education, like you know the different ways of getting your education and mm-hmm. all this. Um, and, you know, my, like I said, like my family wasn't, the you know, m- my dad has a GED, like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. my brothers graduated high school and, you know, now they, they have a job and I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know, that's, uh, everyone has their path, but, you know, I was drawn to, to, to get in higher education and I went to, uh, Nevada State High School, which I took classes at Nevada State College, which is in Henderson, okay. um. So, you know, that experience was very, very big in my life because I wasn't the best high school student. You know, I had like a two point something GPA when I was in, a, you know, uh, in, in a public high school mm-hmm. and um, making that switch and, you know, having the responsibility fall in my lap and, you know, not being micromanaged and giving liberty was just right up my alley. OK, so I, I truly like pivoted and like, you know, yeah. got all about school and all that stuff so I was put in the right direction really because I went to you know went decided to take that course so I was very p- happy about that and you know so when I got my insurance job I had some pretty good tools behind me to kind of you know do well and I uh, Eric hired me <laughs> it's to remember so he pulls me in his office is on Maryland in Flamingo right okay. so it's right by UNLV yeah um, and uh, yeah he just he brings me in he's just like this young um, half african-american like uh, just businessman and I was really intrigued by him and I was really young you know so um, and just like he was the first person to kind of introduce me to like the suit and tie business and like the paper pushing yeah and I, I don't know I did something right in an interview and he hired me on the spot and just to kind of put into perspective what you know the kind of uh, person he is because you know he was I, th- I would say he was very influential for me at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, my first day on the job, like, you know, he called me new guy for the, for the entire first week, right? <laughs> and my very first task, <laughs> my very first task, he, he, he drops uh, a little stack of resumes on my desk. Uh-huh. And he's like, he's like, hey, he's like, these are all the people that didn't get the, the job that you, that you got call them and let them know that the position's been filled and I'm like (laughs) you want me to call them tell them I got the job (laughs) I got their job and and, you know and then from there it's just like he was you know he has a big story on his own and you know his trials as he grew up and became a businessman but he took on young men and really like you know really invested in in, uh, giving them a kind of like a business kind of education and putting them on that track. And, uh-huh. um, my best friend at the time, he, you know, he was hired as well. And, you know, really, you know, I think Eric had a big, had a big, uh, influence on both of us. Cause now he's a lawyer. I'm, you know, uh, because he took like this, this hands-on kind of like fatherly approach, Mm-hmm. to like putting us on like this business minded track. So yeah, it was a really good like first job and I'm just like, oh man, this is uh you know in retrospect, I realized that he really helped me out a lot and kind of tuned my mind to where I needed to be. Um, and yeah, I got my insurance licenses and you know I started selling insurance for like six years. Wow <laughs> yeah yeah um but uh yeah, so I, I worked uh, for state Farm for for since I was 17 till I was almost, till I was 23, so maybe like five years, but um, uh, um yeah, I mean, I did, I, I did really well in the insurance business, I was a good salesman, I got my licenses quickly, um, so, you know, it was, it, I started, you know, I started earning more income as, a, you know, uh, as I got older, and, you know, I uh, I saved a lot of money, I was a big saver, so I was saving, saving money, I didn't know what I was saving it for, um, but... You know uh, I hated the insurance business like I just I, I couldn't sit at a desk like it just wasn't for me I just knew that you know um, I needed something else and then at the time that was when I was starting to figure out what was my next move and I had always had interest in restaurants and you know coffee and uh, so you know when I turned 21 I called up my cousin, I'm like, hey, she's in restaurants, and I'm like, you, you know somebody in in a restaurant that needs to hire someone, you know, I want, I want a job, and I wanted to change industries, so, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I got hired as a busser, and, you know, started, started my journey into restaurants, and, you know, and it just never stopped from there, um, when I was 21, I kind of started seeing all the restaurant thing, and, you know, I really, I really enjoyed it. I love being on my feet. I love talking to people mm-hmm. in person, not on the phone. Yeah. Or, you know, <laughs> like trying to sell them something that doesn't exist, you know what right, I mean? So, right, right. Uh, so, yeah, I fell in love with that whole kind of like the hustle of like just like, you know, serving people and just like, you know, w- running around and yelling and like, you know, a lot of teamwork. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, yeah. man, this is, this is right up my alley. Yeah. <laughs> you know?
0: Restaurant business is definitely a production. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It really is. And I didn't, you know, coming from, like, an office job, which is, like, oh, my gosh, the complete opposite. It really, I was like, okay, this is for me.
0: Yeah.
1: You know? Um, but uh, I, I, I was still in college, so I, I still was very much, like, I wanted to get a degree. Uh-huh. Um, and I had since I was ahead because of the high school program... When I was 18, I already had, like, 54 college credits, which is almost halfway. Yeah. So I was like, man, like, I can graduate college.
0: Yeah.
1: This whole, you know, I I I was like, something that never really was told to me. I'm just like, I'm going to just do it. Yeah. And so after Nevada State College, I enrolled, or, you know, high school, when I graduated high school, I enrolled into UNLV. And so, um, I, I kind of took it easy for, I wanted to like enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So I spent four years there, even though I already had accumulated 54 credits, but it allowed me to like really, you know, experience college, higher education. Uh, I took a real interest in my major. I was majoring in uh, my major psychology. So, me too. Really? Yeah, that's what
0: I have my degree in. <laughs> me too. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, well, you know, I love just, uh. I love uh, behavior, personality. Like it's all just intriguing to me. Like you know what I mean. Um, and uh, so I was able to focus on my degree and like really enjoy it. Like you know, I was, I really got into it. Mm-hmm. You know, I like, um, I joined like labs and I was like oh, running tests cool. on. Like, yeah, like I was like, I want to do this. And at the time, I thought I was going to go all the way. I'm going to go get my like PhD. Like I'm like yeah. I'm going to do. I want to be that. You know that didn't end up going uh, in that direction, but mm-hmm. you know I was just really happy that I was able to like finish my degree. Um, you know, is it it, it I was really happy to make you know my parents proud to be like, hey, you're the first one to graduate college, like, you yeah. know that whole deal. And um, you know, and that major, I mean, it could do so much. I mean, look.
0: Thank you for <laughs> saying that. It,
1: it's very versatile, yeah. but you have to understand what it does like yeah. you know what I mean like people think that it's just like a throwaway degree but it's not you know mm-hmm. it's something I mean look you have a podcast I have, I have a restaurant we both have psych degrees like yeah. it, it helps you understand people and yes. try to like it helps you understand how to you know deal with people because yeah. you're going to be dealing with people your whole life
0: and communicate communicate is huge uh, yes and thank you so much for saying that because I feel like there's a lot of naysayers who are like look at me and they're like you have a degree in psych, well, what are you going to do with it? Yeah. Why aren't you, like, getting your master's? Why aren't you a therapist? What, do you want to be a therapist? And I'm just like, <laughs> no, <laughs> that's not what it's about. And uh, a lot of times I think people just look at you like, well, why'd you go to college? Like, why do right. you have a degree? <laughs> you right.
1: know? It's true. It's true. And But, um, I mean, there's so much you could do with it, like mm-hmm. you said. You, I mean, communicating is everything. You're gonna communicate your entire life.
0: Exactly.
1: You're, and so if you could do it better, you're, you're ahead. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, so super important part of me being able to, you know, you know, restaurant is all communication. Like everything happens through communication. and yeah. production, like you said, so it, it came in handy. Um, overall, like in the operations and even just like um now, like, uh, we're, we're like trying to like revamp our training, Uh you know, even like teaching people, like it, it's helping me, you know, because I have that background, I'm able to help program like training, training and, you know, uh, education for, for my own, uh, company. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's, which is so vital because, you know, in a restaurant you have to have people who know what they're doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so I mean, it's just, it's, it was a really, uh, it was a good thing in my life that I was able to, to complete that, but, and it influenced, I think it's still influencing to this day. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I love yeah. that. <laughs>
0: so, um, how about you talk about from first opening Makers and Finders to what it is now?
1: Yeah, we, um, I mean, grassroots, um, really much like, you know, we didn't have any really investors. Uh, we had all, I took all my savings. I convinced my mom to give me some of her savings. Mm-hmm. Uh, my younger brother, Omar, I convinced him to give me some of his savings as well. Um, and then my business partner at the time, uh, Valerie, who's a, the co-founder, um, you know, she was also, she, we were all in, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So we, you know, we gathered together what we had because obviously the toughest part about a restaurant is how much it costs you know i mean you got to build it first yeah so you can't really start like oh we'll start small and then no you kind of have to like spend a lot of money Mm -hmm. so you know i kind of knew that um and but i was like you know what let's get to let's get this much in our bank and let's just get a realtor so uh when we that was in 2013 um early 2014 and we signed our lease in February 2014 Okay. Uh, and that was after a lot of searching around like the downtown area uh-huh. but you know uh, Fremont was just oversaturated and then we saw what happened you know, a couple years after we, you know, didn't go that direction, a lot of places closed, and now it's kind of experiencing kind of like a revamp, and and we're breathing in new life with all these new businesses, but at the time, it just wasn't right, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean, Mm -hmm. Um, and the arts district was, you know, there was Velveteen Rabbit, you know, that was, Velveteen Rabbit was first, Uh, and so just, um, I used, to, I used to go there a lot, uh, mm. cause I was always, you know, exploring that neighborhood and, yeah. you know, I just, I really loved, uh, what they were doing out there and I was very inspired. I'm like, I want to, I want to do this. I think that, mm. you know, there's a cocktail lounge. There needs to be a coffee shop. Like that's kind of like the day and night, day and night, like no yeah. place, no neighborhood becomes successful without that, that, that clutch. So it takes two feet to stand, you know yeah. what I mean? So... After, you know, that's when I'm like, I'm going to go into the arts district. And so we got a realtor. Um, and, you know, luckily enough, at the time, buildings are cheap. We had, a you know, the rent was super low. I, I we were able to, you know, make a good deal with, uh, with our, with our lease. And we thought we had, you know, we, we had, we had some good pieces in play um, when we signed our lease. And, you know, I felt confident we could do it. But I, I didn't know, like, it's my first time, I never built a restaurant, like, I don't yeah. know. I'm just, I just think I could do it, you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? And, you know, it, you know, it was so essential to have Valerie. Uh, uh, be, you know She has a lot of experience on her own. She worked in restaurants for a long time, did special events, super intelligent, you know. Um, and, you know, having her as, as uh, on my side, I was just like, you know, and having that dynamic between us, I, I gained confidence because of her and vice versa. Like, you know what I mean? So we really fed each other mm-hmm. because we're young. Like, we were, tw- uh, she was 24 and I was, you know, 23, 24 and I was 24, 25. Like, and so, like, we didn't know what the hell we were doing. So we, confi- we confided a lot in each other and, you know, we started conceptualizing makers and, you know, finally we're able to after. So we signed in February. We opened our doors October 30th.
0: Okay.
1: So it took us like over six months. Yeah. Um, and I mean, those six months were brutal, brutal, brutal. Uh, you know, it was, we didn't have money, so we had to start. We had to hire a contractor, but there was a, a lot of stuff we had to do ourselves mm-hmm. the countertops, the benches, I mean, the painting. We decided to take up all that, which, you know, was just a lot more work than, than we anticipated, excuse me. Sure. And, uh, You know, luckily, like I said, I had my family helping me, um, Valerie, her friends, my friends, like, people just, like, helping us, like, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. painting, cleaning. I mean, we had everybody working.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, And, uh, you know, it just became this, like, labor love and, you know, (laughs) just that it was a... Main Street was a really different neighborhood at the time, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's crazy to say that because it's only been three, four years, but that's how fast stuff moves, Mm -hmm. and it was just a totally different neighborhood, um, not a lot of foot traffic, and, you know, there was a couple, like, locals and regulars from, like, the, the downtown neighborhoods, and they, we would always be outside painting on a Saturday morning, and they're just driving by on their bikes, so it felt very, like, small town, and, like, oh, we're, you know, we're getting into this community, yeah. which later grew super, super rapidly, and now we have a dozen restaurants and, you know, coffee shops, like, it's there's so much, you know, that, that's happened. But uh, it, was, it wasn't like that at the time. Um, but we opened, and you know, there, was, there was a lot of things that we didn't have when we opened. Mm-hmm. We didn't know better, um, and uh, so we had to build. Us opening didn't mean that we were done building. Sure. Um, I mean, I'm still, to this day, doing stuff that I wasn't able to do in the beginning, and, mm-hmm. gr- and because of our growth, you know, I've had to like, make best with what, what we had. Um, but it was an inc- incredible process, you know, that's, you know, that's when I started, I learned how to, you know, blueprints, architects, contractors, subcontractors, and I got into this whole world of, like, building and developing something, which, I mean, came, and came, uh, came in handy and really built my skill set. Yeah. Um, and yeah so that and then the first year was just i mean i have no other way to describe it it was just a mess it was just a mess mm-hmm. like you know we didn't really know what we were doing and we knew that we wanted to serve this community but we didn't know the best way yet sure. um and uh you know so in the beginning we were just open i think from 7 a.m to 4 p.m so we we're only daytime okay um but as things progressed um you know people started understanding what we were doing and we started like really truly investing in our product so you know um we had early support um from you know the city and the, all the the neighborhood and you know so we had a lot of early support uh from the small community that existed and we reinvested all that support into into the space to make it better and better and better mm-hmm. um and um, we had uh or uh, one of our opening baristas was a huge help for us as well Sean he was an expert barista and really helped us hone our coffee program because you know me and Valerie had all these ideas of like we wanted you know handmade syrups you know all this stuff all this knowledge we gained from being in restaurants but we didn't necessarily know how to apply it just yet okay. so it, it became a learning process uh, that mm-hmm. first year but after that you know we, we truly caught it, like a feel for what we're doing um, and now, three years later, you know, we're open full-time, you know, seven days a week, uh, 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. Mm-hmm. Um, we have 24 employees in Main Street. We open Summerlin. There's 30 employees there. I mean, wow. it's just become something just a lot bigger than what it started, you know. But it was a lot of learning and a lot of uh, trials and Eh, errors a lot of errors Mm -hmm. um but we made it somehow yeah still to this day I'm like (laughs) I don't know how we made it uh we shouldn't have you know we didn't (laughs) I I I don't know like it it was very much like you know we had uh, the support we needed and we couldn't have done it without that support you know family friends community Mm -hmm. everyone Mm -hmm. um so yeah
0: yeah that's great. It's, yeah. it's really nice to hear that story and see the growth, especially, like you said, you just opened the Summerlin yeah. location a couple of months ago, correct? December. December, yeah. yeah. A couple months ago. Yeah.
1: yeah. Mostly
0: three months. Yeah. So are both... I've been to both locations. I frequent the one on Main Street more. Mm-hmm. Um, but is there any, like, menu differences, or mm-hmm. is that... Um, was the atmosphere... And, like, the conceptualization of the Summerlin store, um, different? Like, what was your ideas when making that, that location?
1: I always wanted to expand. Mm -hmm. I knew that. Um, uh, I, I really wanted, uh, like I told you earlier, I, my main thing, my, or I felt like my duty is, like, introducing this cuisine and introducing, like, you know, into, like, a mainstream kind of appeal. And so uh, I knew you know, I, I had worked on the Main Street menu a lot. We've had three versions, and we're now on our fourth version of the okay. menu. So we've changed the menu over the last three years into four versions. Then this fourth version um, that we took from Main Street and we plugged into Summerlin okay. minus a couple different things on like the beer and wine list. but that uh-huh. this, this menu is like the that this is the version that we're, really content with um Uh that we feel truly represents you know what we who we are you know um and uh these dishes we all feel like we nail it and these are all these dishes are just you know it's not a big menu we want it to be very concise and we want everything to sell yeah and that's part of it we we like to we don't like to prep in large amounts.
0: Sure.
1: We prep in smaller amounts so we can prep often. Mm-hmm. And that keeps, you know, that may, that maintains the integrity of the freshness of the food and the flavor. So that's a big part of it. So we wanted to keep the menu small, but right now is where we're, I feel like it's the most diverse menu. Mm-hmm. Um, when we started, the original menu was only one, one page, double sided. Right? Okay. And um, that's it for everything coffee and breakfast and lunch. Yeah. There was no dinner at the time and now our menu is five pages you know what i mean and you know i wanted that to be the progression like you know uh we like that whole you know minimalistic one page but we knew that we were we wanted to make this more of an experience and when you hand people five pages as opposed to one it it draws them in and you see the 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 behavior in in while they're sitting there Mm -hmm. they're just drawn into this long and they're looking through it and they're reading through it and you know that was a big uh, for me like i realized that afterwards i'm like man that switch from having one single page to five changed the, the 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 behavior of the consumer like i saw a guest they wanted to stay longer they wanted to get more diverse in what they ordered yeah and we became more diverse because we were like hey we want this to be you know you know, part of what we do, you know, we although we're called a coffee shop, we're really a restaurant. You know yeah. What I mean? Oh yeah. It's a full service coffee bar, mm-hmm. and that was always like kind of tricky because most people don't understand that yet, and they still they're still kind of like you know because you're used to going to the counter when you go to the coffee shop yeah. and waiting for them to call it out. So it's just it's kind of a different uh, way of doing coffee as well. But you know, once we kind of solidified, we're like, no, we want to be a full service restaurant with a to-go counter if that's what you want to have and you know we want to add a beer and wine and we want to have these daytime drinking options and then we want to add a dinner menu so we can stay open later once that happened and we really kind of diversified our 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 brand Mm -hmm. that's when I saw the switch you know what I mean which was last it was that was in 2017 like we launched that in April uh, of 2017 and we expanded our hours and then, six months later, or eight months later, we open our second location. So, um, yeah, this menu, you know, it's very much, I think, what we want to keep it as. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, we want to get kind of like more chef-centric eventually, but I think that this, this food is still, you know, people are still discovering it. Like, we yeah. still get people, you know, every day. You know, I had to make a glossary for my, for my staff. Because there are questions that people ask every day about these these words that they don't understand because they're like Latin food, Latin kitchen. So what I'm trying to say with that is like, you know, I'm still, I still have to, you know, still keep introducing people into this. And mm-hmm. as we, you know, stay around longer, I think, you know, we can start getting a little more creative yeah. and adventurous. But yeah. I don't think we're there yet because it's still pretty... No, it's not where we need it to be yet. Yeah.
0: Well, it's kind of cool because you're teaching the community about yeah. these dishes in the menu. Yeah.
1: So uh, I was particularly excited about one dish. The so we added in April. Um, it's called the bandeja paisa, uh-huh. and so it literally means "homies platter." <laughs> so oh, really? Like, yeah. <laughs> it means "homies platter," but it's that dish is like the national dish of Colombia.
0: Oh. Okay. And I never had
1: it on the menu. Um, And it's literally like this giant platter. It's rice, black beans, avocado, fried egg, Uh pork belly, steak, sweet plantains.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: It's huge. (laughs) But, you know, I I could see like the the consumer learning and growing because this dish, had I brought it in, you know, three years, like when we barely opened, I don't think it would have hit. Mm-hmm. because it's just it's a little you know d- deeper into like the latin food so in april we brought like that dish in and then a lomo saltado which is a-, a peruvian dish and it was just cool to like see people embrace these dishes and it's now they're both some of our most popular dishes but you know seeing that like kind of like un- unpacking slowly it-, it really helps i think your brand um you know gives dimension. To your brand and yeah. so I think that that was a really, really uh happy point to see that, you know.
0: Yeah, definitely. So other than those two dishes, what are some other like all time fan favorites? What
1: the are you... Arepa Benny, that's okay. the that's the OG. Um that's uh you know the the Benedict, our eggs our version of ex Benedict. Okay. Uh so instead of an English muffin it's the Arepa. Mm-hmm. then we have uh our our uh, our uh shredded beef, um uh, grilled tomato, spinach, poached eggs. And then we finish it with a salsa verde hollandaise. So it's Sounds like a tangy so hollandaise. I'm <laughs> getting <Yeah>. hungry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was, that was a really, uh, that's been selling from the beginning. And people okay. love that dish. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's cool to, the, the Latin food. Mm-hmm. People, that's what, and we have, you know, some casual cafe options. Like we have sandwiches, we have salads, we have soups. But you know mo- the, the majority of our business comes from our Latin option. so mm. that's why we've always continued to grow that that sector of it and definitely um, yeah yeah but the, so like the smoke locks that's that's also one of our originals but we wanted that to be our ca- cafe option mm,
0: okay yeah and
1: that one stayed around and, you know people love that one too. yeah yeah How
0: about the uh, coffee side Any coffee? Favorites?
1: Yeah, the lavender latte, of that's course. That's my favorite. I love that one. <laughs> if I wasn't late, I was like, I'm was like, i going to bring her a, a lavender latte. But I was, I just got so behind no, this morning. That's good. I'm
0: sorry. No, oh, no, it's fine. I'm sure you'll see me there soon because yeah. I always order that. <laughs> that or <laughs> the,
1: the hibiscus latte. tea. That yeah. one's good. The hibiscus tea is great. The hibiscus tea is great. Um, yeah, we, we, the way we would prepare that is, like, we use um, brown or... Uh, uh, non-refined, like, brown cane sugar. Yeah. So it's like, you know, and usually you can only get those in, like, the Latin markets. Uh-huh. So that's how we sweeten it. So it's really, like, natural, really rich flavors. Um, but the hibiscus is, yeah, it's delicious. Yes. hmm Uh, and then the coconut turmeric latte, that's a, another big one that we have. Okay. So that one was brought on later on as well. Uh-huh. As we developed the menu. Um, and that one is, uh... We put a little coconut syrup, and then we steam turmeric into the the milk. Okay. Um, so it gives it turns into like this like yellowish kind of color. Uh huh. And then we pour that over some espresso and uh, cinnamon, and it just like turned out being like this super delicious savory kind of like unique latte. And uh, people, yeah, everyone loves it. And you know, uh, as the coffee culture has grown in Las Vegas, I also think that has a big part of it you know mm-hmm. all there's more independent coffee shops than there's ever been so there's you know uh, a lot of places are serving these really unique beverages so it just makes it easy for for people to come in and be like oh coconut turmeric, sure let's try it you yeah. know I've tried other stuff but <laughs> I, so it's yeah it's really nice to see um I mean how the neighborhood how how the coffee culture has grown it's it's truly made big strides in a short time
0: mm-hmm. yeah so, what are some goals that you have for Makers and Finders um, within the next year? Any big time goals that you have?
1: Yeah, um, well, I just had a baby. <laughs> so, Congratulations! You know, his name is Hudson. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, so, this year is more like um, for me, you know, after the opening Summerlin, which was my biggest, most recent goal. Um, I want to kind of take a break and expanding sure. you know uh, spend time with uh, with my son my family um, and um, you know uh, I, I we we acquired a roaster late last year a okay. commercial roaster mm-hmm. so I've always been intrigued um, but I, I didn't tell the story I'm gonna say it real quick but uh, before we open makers I forgot to tell you that me and Valerie we went to South America for like 30 days and backpacked. Uh-huh. And we went, and uh, people should check this this website out if you haven't already, it's called WorkAway. Uh, mm-hmm. WorkAway is like a second version of the original uh, site that is a German site called WUF, right? Mm-hmm. And it's basically a hosting site uh, okay. where you can meet people from around the world and in exchange for work, they will let you stay and eat for free.
0: and and you
1: could go and there's like if like if you want to learn how to farm i mean even if you just want to travel and just be in in somewhere new so we came across this website in 2013 right summer before we got into 2014 and built out makers and we you know we found a farm in um in peru and in colombia and we're like hey we want to work in exchange to stay so we went and like you know learned solid coffee from you know from its small little root to I mean to like selecting what the root goes and which which coffee bean gets to grow and which one doesn't like from that point to you know washing the coffee drying the coffee um so I you know that was a big experience that mm-hmm. I knew that I wanted to revisit again I'm like I really enjoy that I really yeah. enjoy seeing this like Produ- uh, this uh, production and you know manufacturing side of coffee, mm-hmm. you know where it comes from. Because the barista, the moment the barista gives you that coffee, that is the last hand out of a series of hands that have touched that coffee, yeah. and then that's when you get it and you you know you drink it. But there's so much that goes into that cup of coffee, and you know I'm really intrigued by that. And you know I always wanted to you know learn coffee and learn how to how to buy it, how to mm. source it, how to roast it really truly like expand myself um so that's my goal this year it's gonna you know i'm gonna do a little bit of traveling i wanna i have a, you know i'm gonna learn I, i'm going to uh the manufacturer's facility in in washington state uh at the end of the month and i'm gonna take like a little course there and kind of start learning you know uh-huh. i want to take my pace because I, I do want to enjoy it you yeah. know what i mean and it's more of a personal goal and you know eventually will roast the coffee for makers, but I, you know, it's not, it's more like I really want to learn it, uh, mm-hmm. than just like implement it into the business, which eventually it will happen as well. Sure. Um, but you know, I, I wanna, I wanna truly travel and, 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 and learn this and, you know, take a little bit of a break because I feel like it's been, it's been a crazy few years, mm-hmm. you know, with the expansion and. You know, I I just want to kind of relax for a bit. (laughs) Yeah,
0: well, that's always good. Yeah,
1: but you know, after after we relax, of course, we're gonna want to work again. So definitely, yeah. So you know, we wanna we have we have some goals uh, to continue expanding, um, but not for now. You know, we we do want to continue our expansion, and you know, uh, my my personal kind of goal would be, you know, trying a different city. Uh, I I would I I want to. i want to do that i want to plug into another community that's outside of you know vegas Uh uh, and bring a vegas based brand into somewhere else and you know have success in that in that in that direction but that's a that's a long-term goal you know but it is something that always kind of feel inside you know Mm -hmm. and plus i've lived in vegas for a long time now over 20 years so or almost 20 years uh so yeah very cool well
0: i'm excited to see where it goes and think it's going to be it's going to be really exciting to see that journey
1: thank you yeah Yeah. definitely
0: so for all my guests i like to ask them three questions before we wrap up so my first one is um, for people who aren't familiar with the vegas community or they come here to go to the strip what would you want them to know about vegas Uh,
1: i'd like them to know that there is a local independent scene from the strip um that is sitting right outside of the strip and right. you know I encourage them to 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 be curious and you know um stop paying 18 dollars for your cocktails and come get something <laughs> handcrafted um uh, and put with love um from people who you know work every single day to mm-hmm. to create a, a an experience uh, outside of the strip in Las Vegas mm-hmm. um but I would I would I would recommend them to venture out there's a lot that they're going to find yeah Oh, That's perfect, especially in downtown. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: so when you're not working um, at Makers and Binders and you have some downtime, where do you like to hang out? What do you like to do? Uh,
1: I'm I'm a big homebody. I yeah. like to be at home. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, um, I, I I also cycle sometimes. Okay. Like I moved up to Summerlin, so like, you know, I I'm able to like now, you know, go on like trails and stuff. So. No, I like to get out, you know, go to the, go to the gym sometimes, mm-hmm. but I like to be at home a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I like to relax and uh, at my at my house and, you know, watch Netflix and just, you know, just relax in the yeah. homebody. Especially know. now you
0: have a new baby. Yeah,
1: especially with the baby. I think we're still kind of nesting, so, mm-hmm. you know, we're, um, that's where I'm at right now, but more like I feel like dad life, you yeah. know. What I mean, like I go on walks, you know. It's <laughs> it's not very exciting, but <laughs> No, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah
0: and last question is where can people find you makers and finders where should they follow
1: uh you can find us uh at makers that's where we uh on instagram uh you can find us on facebook backslash makers uh or go to our website makerslv.com. um we're very active on instagram social media we really enjoy that on twitter as well um, and our website is, you know, redesigned. You know, there's, you can sign up for a newsletter, and you know, we usually send those out every other week. Um, and come find us at at uh, both locations. We're always there. You know, uh, we're open 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. Sundays for brunch. We open 9 a.m. so a little later, and we close early. Uh, but um, yeah. Very awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me yeah Barbara. of course thank this you so great. much
0: yes thank you Joshua. you are a therapist by the way oh uh, am yeah. I <laughs> that's so funny
1: <laughs> yeah um, but it was yeah great experience and I uh, appreciate you having me
0: of course thank you for coming thanks